Some time ago, my friend Mike called me and said, Steve, I have a message for you. You have to make a podcast. It's very important. Do it now. And I said, okay, I will. Can you provide me with extra time to do that during my busy schedule? He said he couldn't do that. But then I managed to free up some time. So here's my podcast, Audio Chimera. This is episode number 30, in which I explain how time works. Move over, Stephen Hawking. When we're kids, time goes so slowly. There we are, stuck somewhere we don't want to be, and it seems to last an eternity. And I have a theory about that. Because we have lived only a short span of time, each hour and each minute is a much larger piece of our whole lives up to that moment. Of course, when we get older, time seems to speed up because each hour and minute is now a smaller piece of the total. So when those minutes, hours, days, weeks, decades fly by, yes, that is a correct perception. So here we are, older and hopefully wiser, but likely seeing the available time dwindle down for us and also hopefully using the time as best we can before the sand in the hourglass runs out. And I hate it when people waste my time. I am quite capable of wasting it myself by choice, thank you. Take a break and play Guild Wars 2? Sure! But others wasting my time? I want to create an app that activates when we are standing in line, say, at the post office, and there is someone sending 50 pieces of mail, or that person who needs to have the why of something explained to them multiple times before they understand. The app then automatically deducts money from their account and deposits it into mine, so at least I have some recompense for my time that they've wasted. I have always been pretty good about being punctual, and I'm usually on time. And of course, I expect others to be, too. In the theater, we subscribe to the dictum, five minutes early is on time, on time is late. We need to be ready to start at the call time. And I have always gotten ready early to be ready to leave at an appropriate time for travel. This is actually a great improvement over previous generations. As I mentioned briefly in episode number two, my mother often told me about my grandmother, Mary T. Shrum, who incidentally bought an indulgence for my family in 1937. It's signed by the Pope, and it is currently in my possession, so I am not worried about attaining heaven when I die. Anyway, my grandmother would be fully dressed, including hat and coat, and ready to leave the house for church an hour before the time of leaving. She would sit ensconced in a living room chair and wait. My mother would do the same, but only 30 minutes ahead of the leaving time. Luckily, the DNA that runs this particular behavior has been reduced in me, but I am still always ready to go early. My wife has always been the opposite of me. 
When we were living in California, she had an hour commute from Albany to Davis. At night, when she would call me and tell me when she would be home, I used the following calculation. If she said she'd be home before 7, I would add an hour to that. If she said she'd be home between 8 and 11, I would add 2 hours to that. If she said she'd be home by midnight, I would add 4 hours to that. This was a fairly accurate system, and I actually managed to plan my life, work, and meals on this, uh, dare I call it, a timetable? And I've often made the statement that my wife would probably be late for her own funeral. There will be more about that in episode number 33. But back to the idea of time and timing. There's an old joke about it in the theater. It goes like this. Ask me what the secret of comedy is. What's the secret of comedy? Timing. Ask me again what the secret of comedy is. What's the secret timing. of comedy? And of course they say that timing is everything. I know a lot of people talk to my wife about her life and how she always seemed to navigate rough waters. She didn't get tenure, but then applied for jobs elsewhere and was quickly employed for the next school year. That happened several times. Was she, as people suggested, very lucky? I guess if you believe in luck, or fate, or a deity, then that's a good explanation. But we looked at it as a timing issue. You look at what is happening and examine the opportunities that are ahead of you. Then you seize the opportunity that looks like it's going to work for you. We often joked, I guess quoting the line from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, about the brother-in-law who's been unemployed for a long time because he's been holding out for an executive position. But of course you have to examine what opportunities you hold out for. There's a joke I like to tell about exactly this, and though it doesn't deal with time directly, that is a necessary ingredient of the joke. So here it is, and if you're religious and don't think Jesus would walk into a bar, your listener discretion is advised. And while you're not listening to the rest of this, check out John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It's late afternoon, and these three men are sitting nursing their drinks at a neighborhood bar. The door opens, and the men turn to see who just came in. It's a bit bright behind the person, but as the door closes, they realize it looks like Jesus, dressed in the typical robes of the Middle East as we have seen in so many religious depictions of the Christian Messiah. He walks past them to the far end of the bar and sits on a stool. The bartender goes over to him, takes his order, and serves it to him. A few feet down the bar is a man with his arm in a cast. He signals the bartender over and whispers, Is that Jesus over there? The bartender nods, and the man says, send him a drink on me. So the bartender goes and sets another glass of wine in front of Jesus. Farther down the bar is a man with his leg in a cast with crutches propped against the bar. He signals the bartender over and whispers, is that Jesus over there? The bartender nods, and the man says, send him a drink on me. So the bartender goes and sets another glass of wine in front of Jesus. Even farther down the bar is a man wearing a back brace. His cane is leaning against the bar. He signals the bartender over and he whispers, Is that Jesus over there? The bartender nods and the man says, Send him a drink on me. So the bartender goes and sets a fourth glass of wine in front of Jesus. Time goes by and evening sets in. 
Jesus, having finished his four drinks, pays for the first one and stands up. No wobbling, I mean, he is Jesus. He then walks over to the man with his arm in a cast. Jesus leans in, says, thanks for the drink, and touches the man on the arm. The man is immediately healed. Jesus then walks over to the man with his leg in a cast. He leans in, says, thanks for the drink, and touches the man on his leg. The man is immediately healed. Jesus makes his way down the bar to the man with a back brace. He leans in, says, thanks for the drink, and is about to touch the man when the man pulls away and says, don't touch me, man. I'm on disability. Like I said, it's all about timing. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast? I can elaborate. Just send your request to stephenschramm at musifier.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-C-H-R-U-M at musifier, M-U-S-O-F-Y-R.com. Or leave a message at 724-835-4074, and I'll see what I can do. I receive no cash for products I mentioned, but please feel free to throw money at me to advertise here. For more information on my works, check out my website, musifier.com. For written works, search for me on Smashwords as Stephen Schramm or Musifier, or find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. This is Stephen Schramm. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera. <laughs>